going to start off with a disclaimer on today's show. We're going to talk about something pretty dark, pretty heavy, and pretty sensitive, and no doubt um, emotional, triggering even for some people. Just want to establish that right from the get-go. There are a lot of sentences that I just don't care to hear uttered ever again. We need to continue having some very serious conversations as it pertains to mental health. Because I think in some cases, there's just still way too much misunderstanding. Sentences that I don't care to hear would include things like, what in the world did that person have to be depressed about? And that's a valid comment if all you think of depression is that it equates to sadness. And there are certainly some elements of sadness to depression. But we have tropical depressions as well and other definitions of depression. And money and toys and fame do not necessarily equate to any sort of success for some people, despite what you might think and what you might value and think is important or would be markers for you to, boy, if I had that, I'd sure be happy. Look at the long list of celebrities who are no longer with us because mental health got them. It overtook their lives. We lost another celebrity today, which is what's prompting this conversation. Now, I say celebrity. Some of you may not know this person's name. He was the DJ on The Ellen Show. Stephen Boss. Very good-looking man. Tall. In great physical shape. Talented. Oh, the man can dance. Married to an absolutely beautiful woman. Started a family, three beautiful kids. He was on The Ellen Show. He was on So You Think You Can Dance. Social media star. 40 years old, like I said. Gorgeous human being. What in the world would he have to be depressed about? Well, obviously something because he put a gun to his head yesterday and has left his family without a father. I am someone who, if you're not familiar with my story, I told a lot of it when I was the keynote speaker at the 50th anniversary for the Distress Center of Ottawa and Region. I tried to end my life several years ago. Even I can look at my life and go, what the hell have you got to be depressed about? Sure. Sure. I, I got trophies behind me rewarding, you know, successes of the radio station. I had a successful evening show, midday show on Cool FM and Bob FM. I'm heard on radio stations around the world. 
I do a show in Florida every single day. I'm in a good marriage. The hell have I got to be depressed about? Well, not a lot, actually. But unfortunately, I have a disease called depression. And depression, the disease, is not sadness. Depression is a chemical imbalance. Depression is, like any disease, something that affects how I function. If you have heart disease, it's pretty obvious what that disease does. It inhibits the heart's function. A mental health disease is a disease that inhibits the brain's ability to function as it pertains to rational thinking. Sorting out thoughts. Dealing with shit. Just a few weeks ago, I, I put something on my Facebook. I don't know why this sticks out to me, but I put it on my Facebook. And, and I was drawing attention to a complaint letter that I received on the radio station. And somebody said to me, you need to stop drawing attention to this negativity. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. You know what needs to stop? is you telling me what it is I need to stop doing. The reasons why I do that are absolutely selfish. Take a step back from the keyboard before you start commenting on people who post things on social media, etc. Before you tear them down. Do you know who they are? Do you know what they're dealing with? Do you know what's really going on? For me, the reason I post that kind of stuff on social media, it's cathartic. It's an outlet for me. That's why. It's not, for, I mean, okay, go ahead and judge me if you want. I got big shoulders. I wouldn't be doing a talk show if I wasn't satisfied that my mental health was in a good enough place now that I could have these conversations and, and be vulnerable and, and know that I'm going to get those kinds of letters and emails and comments. You just don't know what people are really going through in their everyday life. I follow Twitch and his wife on Instagram. 48 hours ago, they had smiles on their faces. They had figured out a dance routine. There they were in their living room. The Christmas tree was up. Three absolutely beautiful kids dancing along with them. And this morning we wake up to the news that he's no longer with us. Something obviously that you and I were not aware of was going on there. You don't know what conversations were had. You don't know. I don't know what therapy had been involved, if any, if he tried to reach out to someone. A lot of people commenting already that they met Twitch. It was a pleasure to meet him. The guy just oozed happiness and joy. But you know what? So have I. 
it was quite surprising to a good number of people. If all you did was listen to my show, it was quite a surprise the day that I revealed that I was having a nervous breakdown. And suddenly I was off the air for three months. And then a suicide attempt. And then back on the air and starting to get myself into a better place. And then a hiccup. Admitted to hospital on a security watch. What I do and what most celebrities, dare I say, almost every celebrity does, we're actors. I know as a radio presenter, performer, I can't bring depression on the air. I've done it, by the way. I spend an entire day once upon a time playing the darkest music to the point where my listeners were genuinely concerned about me and my mental well-being. That's not compelling. I know that my job is to come to this studio or the studio at the radio station I used to work at and perform. Let me underscore that word. Perform. The studio, and I always described, even before I was diagnosed with depression, the studio was the place where I couldn't be touched or affected. It was my happy little bubble from the world. Yeah, it's a place where I get to be something I'm not. It's a place where I get to be someone who doesn't have depression, doesn't have bills, doesn't have lawyers, doesn't have car payments, doesn't have mortgages. I just get to be a goofball. That's the performance. It's called the mask. And I use radio as an example because that's my life. But rest assured, if you work in an accounting office, there is someone in that office today who's joking around the coffee machine, who's in the elevator smiling at you. They're at work, and that's their little escape. And they put a smile on, and they share jokes with you, etc., and the small talk. But in their real life, the things they're not letting on, there's a hell. I don't know what was really going on in Twitch's life. We probably never will. But that's neither here nor there. What I want to get at today I want to have an open and honest conversation with you. By the way, to Twitch's wife Allison, I I know you're not listening. Um and I know I, millions of people are are chiming in and sending her love. I I'm I'm with you. I and I feel it so deeply because I got to that dark place and I know how slippery a slope it is and I realize all of the things that I could have left behind the damage that I could have caused but I also recognize just how easy it is to buy into all of the things that a depressed mind is telling you I often say how can I articulate what I'm experiencing as it pertains to mental health 
when I don't even understand it myself, and I still don't. I recognize that I have this thing, and I recognize through experience and trial and error some of the stuff that works and some of the stuff that doesn't. Medications are important. This is a conversation that I am never, ever, ever going to stop having. In the spring, I am putting on the road. It is official. I now own this RV. It is going to be logoed up, and I'm going to be driving it across the continent because I want to have conversations like the one I want to have with you today. I want to hear your stories of mental health. Whether it has affected you personally, whether it's affected someone in your family, which of course affects you, what are your experiences as it pertains to mental health? What are some of the things, this is your opportunity, what are some of the things you want anyone in your circle to know if they are contemplating suicide right now? And look, People have lost their jobs. People have lost their homes. The pandemic was brutal on people. It has left us isolated. It has left us at odds with each other. It has left us in a situation that I'm trying to do something about with this show. I don't want to yell. I don't want to pick sides. I don't want to scream. That's not healthy. The whole reason this show exists, I want to find Middle ground. I want to create an opportunity for conversations. So my first question to you is, what are some of the things that you want anyone in your inner circle to know if they are contemplating suicide? And the holidays make it even harder. And further to that, what are, what are the changes to our healthcare system, which is so badly damaged? But as it pertains to mental health specifically, what, based on experience perhaps, what are some of the changes to our healthcare system you want to see happen? That's the conversation I want to have with you today. 613-604-6464. Someone from the 905 is on the phone. Can I get your name, please? Hang on. I can't hear you for some strange reason. I'm going to plug that phone in one more time. And we're going to try this again. I apologize. Hi there. Yep. Okay. There we are. It's the guy who had the show before you. Rusty's Good, good Time, time oldies. oldies. Yeah. There you go. And Russ, I know you have, uh, you've had a podcast in the past uh, talking uh, yeah. about OCD. Uh, well, not no, about not ADHD. OCD. ADHD. I apologize. And part of the uh, the fun package that goes with ADHD, the comorbidity issue, is depression. Yep. And uh, I've got ADHD. I've got depression. I've spoken to thousands of people. I've spoken to pharmaceutical companies on their behalf, to their sales reps, so they could understand things a bit better. Um, yeah, it's it's something that I've discovered through my own life, as well as talking to others. When you go to conventions, uh, that finally they get to speak to somebody who knows their language, is that you know a lot of people say, "Oh yes, I'm very concerned about it," but it's just lip service. I know of people who have lost friends when they found out about their their uh, mental health issues. Oh, yeah. ADHD, depression, oh, it's very, whatever. very polarizing. And you take something like like the Let's Talk thing by our buddies uh, with the phone and, and the radio stations. 
uh, that one day. Everybody's excited about it. But when I talk to people, and I talk to people, health people and pharmaceutical, uh, the big, uh, the, uh, the pharma, the, the people who manufacture the, uh, the drugs, they looked at that and said, uh, it's, it's phony. And I did agree with that, too, because it's very cool to jump on a bandwagon, but no one wants to drive. I applaud the campaign. Look, it was that it was that campaign that allowed me to recognize exactly what it was that was going on with me. I had been feeling incredibly ill, lethargic. Uh, things weren't making sense. I had I, I recognized that, and I had gone to my doctor. We did stress tests, heart tests, blood tests, cholesterol tests, you name it. Other than him coming back and stating the obvious, well, you are overweight and your cholesterol's high, iron's a little low, but otherwise, you, you know, things were checking out. It wasn't until that mm-hmm. day, and this is why I, I can't poo-poo it. I, I you know I applaud the message. Well, I'm going to rephrase. My I applaud comment. the message. It it allowed me to hear conversations on that particular day, and yes, it's one day, and I wish it was more. But you also understand why a commercial enterprise like that cannot make that every day. Although I wish they would. I would. I wish they would make that at least part of the conversation. But you know what? I don't work there anymore. That's that's none of my business. They do what they do. I do what I do, Russ. And but all this to say, because of that day. I was able to finally figure out what the hell was going on with me, and that was the beginning of me getting onto a better path. So I, I can't really poo-poo it. I know a lot of people well, do. I'm going to rephrase that. Um, maybe I'm a bit jaded because I've been around this for a long time. Uh, it was, I was, um, I had issues way back, but it stemmed from my ADHD, and I didn't understand my ADHD, and then right. it evolved into the depression. So I found out about my ADHD at the tender age of 50. So in doing that, I became an advocate and, and uh, joined various groups, and, and we, I met people in the industry, some you know, in the Canadian television industry, made friends with them. And so I am a little bit jaded. I'm, I'm somewhat questioning what the motive was, but some of the results I don't question. The fact that you discovered by this uh, that you have situations in your life that now you can put a label on it. Look, I'm, and there are so I'm, many people I'm, who I'm, are going around. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not here to disparage any any mental health campaign is a good mental health campaign as far as I'm concerned, okay? And, and they do what they do. I'm here to talk about what sure. I do and what we can do, okay? I've got my mental well, health RV rolling out, as you know, and it's coming your way down yeah. there in Whitby. You know, I've got family, and I want to sit down with you, and I want to get a microphone in front of you, and I, I don't want you to hold back on, on your feelings, whatever else. Well, I know. I mean, Th- that'll be the time and place. the CBC website sure. and find me there and uh, talk about talking about depression when I was brought into CBC Radio 1. It was pretty gloomy. Uh, I, I was in a very down um, part of my life. And they were amazed that I was saying the things that I was saying and they rebroadcast and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, when you get into that situation and you and I have that luxury of being able to communicate and there's so many people within our industry and in even in comedy that deep down they are. Well, listen, Robin, Robin Williams is a prime Robin example, Williams, but you know, I'm around, classic. I'm around some great stand up comedians every single Tuesday night. A lot of them are amateurs. A lot of them have been around for some time and, and, and I've done some stand up comedy. There are a lot of comedians out there. People don't realize this, right? The laughter is no. the ultimate mask and that comedy, yeah. what I'm discovering is so much of it is coming from very depressed places. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. I, well, I've done that too. And Let's face it, if you're on the road doing comedy and you're in the limelight, 
what happens at the end of the night? You go home and you go home, not home. You go to a motel and you're all by yourself. Yep, and that's where the thoughts come up. Uh, but that's, the stigmas. I'm glad. I'm glad you said. I'm glad there. you said that. I, I want to interrupt you there because I'm glad you said that. That isolation. That's the scariest thing for me. As much as I, you know, there's just days where I just want to be alone and just, you know, I, I got too much on my plate. I just want to be no, 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 alone. Bad, bad, bad thing. I never really want to be alone. But you know, no, you give know. me my space. But have you have you ever been a, been alone in a crowd of people? Oh, in every crowd I'm in. No. Yeah, well, I've every been time there, and and you know, sometimes my humor jumps in. I was in a very low point in my life, and I mentioned this on that CBC interview um, that I actually went out looking for rope. But the funny thing was, I didn't buy any because it all looked too uncomfortable. <laughs> Stupid. Listen. The day that I ended up admi- admitting myself to the hospital, and by the way, y- y- people don't know this. You can walk into any hospital emergency room, and they have a mental health team that is there yeah. to deal with you. And you may wait a while, et cetera. But the day that that happened, I, I, I just I had a panic attack, and I've never experienced one in my life. I never care to have one again. I punched yeah. a hole in the wall. I ripped the faucet out of the sink. That is not who I am. I'm not a violent person. Um, and then I got in my truck and I was blinded by rage, by frustration, by anxiety. And I drove, you know, and, and recklessly hoping to put myself in front of a dump truck or a bus or something. Sure. I mean, it was like completely selfish, selfish, pardon me, and out of my mind. And I ended up at a Canadian tire in Kemptville, about an hour from the city, sitting in the parking lot. And I wanted to go in and I wanted to buy a hose to hook up to the exhaust pipe, but I was too embarrassed to go in because I left the house in my pajama bottoms. How insane is that? Well, but just, you know, but just like a, you said, the rope there saying uh, that you didn't want to kill yourself, I guess. I guess, but not indifferent to how you just articulated that, you know, you looked at the ropes yeah. knowing, you, you know, I was here to buy ropes. No, nah, it looks too uncomfortable. This, all this to say, this is the muddled insanity of it all that people end up in this place and and I don't I, I don't know what the tipping off point is. I can't describe to someone this is the moment you need to watch for because it's going to be different with every single person. What I am encouraging people though, look for behavior changes in those around you and start asking some serious questions as to what that all means. Don't be afraid to sit down with them. By the way, and it's taken me years to have the conversation with my wife and say you know, like when I'm in that muddled mind, when I'm in that panic mode, that is not the time to try and rationalize with me. When I'm calm and, you know, in a good place, that's the time for me to have a conversation, even if it, you know, it pertains to something that happened a week or two ago. That's just me. But recognize behavioral changes, especially in the people around you. And that can be a sign. Russ, I, I, I could talk to you all day about this. In fact, I have yeah, talked to you yeah. time and time again. Uh, there's a lot of comments coming in, and I want to get to them because, um, of course, we've got other shows. Um, how, how's your situation now? Uh, uh, it's good. It's good. Um, the, the one thing I'd like to say is for people to stop saying after a person does the ultimate, saying, oh, if he only reached out. That's when you hear it the most when the person passes away. They did reach Don't out. Don't wait until it's too late. They were reaching Act out. You, they were reaching out. People either didn't hear it or it just became too much. Uh, there's a million reasons. I, 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 yeah. I just, I hope people 
reach out. Um, so, okay. So to answer my questions then, name one thing that you would want anyone in your circle to know if they're thinking of suicide right now. Know that it's the ultimate solution. And I know it's a, you know, it's a temporary problem. People say it's not temporary. It's always with us. I know that there are people who really do want to help. Uh, sometimes when you're in that situation, you feel, oh, and, and stop listening to that inner bad self saying that people will be better off without me. That's not true. Is it? Are you okay with me saying, I don't think you intend to say it's the ultimate I think ultimate is well, not what you're looking for. Yeah. No, no. When, uh, no. when a person does do away with themselves. It's, yeah. It, ultimately, I think is is where you're trying to go to. Anyway, I just, I heard that and I just, I didn't want it to be misconstrued at all. Russ, appreciate you always, my man. Um, if I don't get a chance to talk to you one-on-one and I don't get a chance to talk to my team very often, thanks for all you do. Um, you you well, certainly make two hours of happiness with your oldie show, uh, Wednesdays <laughs> and Saturdays you know, here that's at BTR. Good feeling. All right. And Cut. thanks for all you're doing too. Um, I mean, it has to be done. has to be done. Russ, thanks very much. Um, 613-604-6464. There is a video camera link up as well at itsyourcall.ca. Itsyourcall.ca. Let's go to some of your comments. Uh, Gigi says, I've thought about it several times. It's a devastating, dark place to be. I, I'm, I'm so sorry that you've, you've, you've had those thoughts. Um, I'd love to know, Gigi, what it is that made you stop. What What... What prompted you to, you know, what was that moment where you realized, whoa, 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 what, this has gone too far. And and what did you do about it? What did you do about it? Uh, I'm going to scroll up to some of the earlier comments. Uh, Carrie says, thank you for this, Milky. It is so important. We need to be aware of how people around us are feeling and recognize the signs when we need help. Yes, Carrie, we do. We absolutely do. And we are so quick to jump on another person and tear them down. And I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. It is not healthy especially after all we've been through and are going through with the pandemic, et cetera. I don't care what side of the fence you're on as far as vaccines and masks and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, we're all in this together and it's all affecting us in some way, shape or form. And it's affecting our kids and the bigger issue. And we've been saying this since day one. The bigger issue is the mental health fallout from this. It is way too stressful. And I'm really afraid of where this is going. We need to have conversations. And that's why this show is what it is. It's why I set out, okay, if I'm going to take this on, what does it look like? What do I want it to do? What do I want it to be? This is what I want it to be. Conversations. And I said this earlier in the week, I received an email from a listener saying, you know, I I want the show to be an hour and I want more phone calls. Well, okay. Where are the phone calls? I know they're coming. I know I'm going to get you there. The conversations, text is not a conversation. Facebook Messenger is not a conversation. Phone calls, interactions, face-to-face, sitting down, having a coffee, those are conversations. Those are what I want to have here. And I know it's going to happen. I know I know it's coming. Uh, over to Chrissy. And signs of depression, not always easy to see. If we can only see more signs, communication, keep open this time of year, hard at Christmas, family so important, reach out. There are lots of places to reach out to. Look, one of the things, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention this. The 988 system. A lot of people are sharing this on Facebook. 988. 
It's new in Canada. No, 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 it's not. And please, please stop sharing that. It is false information. The 988 system is up and running in the States. Okay. You've got 311 for, you know, information for the city. You've got 911 life and death emergencies. And you have 988 now in the States for mental health. It's coming to Canada in the fall of the new year. So around November 2023, that system will be in place. In the meantime, yes, the distress center has saved me twice. I can't say enough great things about the volunteers that are there, and I raise as many funds as I can for them because I owe them my life. My life. Their phone number is always front and center at blasttheradio.com, 613-238-3311. I will never forget their phone number. And there are other lines out there, but 988 is not one of them. Please stop sharing that. Can you imagine somebody in that moment of desperation, like Gigi, and, and they're at that point where this, this, this is life or death, in the blink of an eye or less, this person could either remain with us or be gone. And they decide, you know, I saw a thing about 988. I'm going to call that. And they do, and they get, this number's not in service. That's why I don't want you sharing that 988 thing. It, 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 it just it upsets me so much because I know if I were to pick up, <laughs> if, I, if I had picked up the phone that day to call the distress center and got a busy signal or this number's not in service, I don't know if I'd be here to have this conversation with you today. And that's just me. And there are thousands and thousands of stories like this out there. And again, these are stories that I want to get to, which is why this RV and this campaign come spring is going to be so important and hopefully a game changer. Back to Gigi. After I cry and cry and cry, I pull myself out of that state of mind, even though I have family and friends and I'm sure they would be sad, but I've never felt so damn alone as I have the last few years. I don't know what this feeling is. All I call it is empty. I, I can't describe it either, Gigi. I just, I know the feeling you're describing. And as much as I want people around me, this disease for some reason renders me incapable of picking up that phone and calling and saying, I just need, I just need you around. This is the hell and the nightmare that people live with. They want help. They're screaming for help. They think they think they're making that obvious, but people aren't able to read those signs. Again, you gotta be in, you gotta be involved in conversations with your friends. You gotta make time you know, like if, if you're in Gigi's inner circle, she's obviously, you know, someone who's willing to put it out there that she's struggling. Don't just ask, how are you? No, no. How are you? How, how are you dealing with this? How are you feeling? Those are questions to ask. Nancy, thanks for your comment on Facebook. After I got flesh-eating disease from the hospital, I had lost everything, and the doctor sent me to talk to someone, and I was told it was a situational depression, and nothing can be done. Good luck. I hear those stories all the time. And that goes to my question, my other question. What changes to our healthcare system do you want to see happen? I hear horror stories of whether it's it's by virtue of our, our hospital system just, just can't deal with it because they're overwhelmed. I, I can't possibly imagine 
that there's doctors who are just that dismissive. I, I know of a young person, not someone I'm terribly close to, but they would have been 16 at the time, going through a really difficult time. Parents take them to the hospital, rush them to the hospital because they are a threat to themselves. And we're told by the doctor, look, we got a long line of teenagers just like your daughter waiting to get seen. It's going to be about two years before we can get, you know, your daughter in to see a doctor and even begin the journey of getting them some help. And I'm going to be straight up and honest with you. Your daughter is probably not going to be around long enough to see that day. I mean, these are the conversations I know happen. It's disgusting and not indifferent to what we're dealing with now where we have people asking for a chairlift for their home and being told, eh, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the medically assisted suicide is the way to go for you. You're becoming a burden. This is where we're at. It's an inconvenience to the healthcare system, so let's find the easy way out. No, 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 no. I am, I am not accepting that. We need to find solutions. And that's what this conversation today, I hope, turns into. You having conversations with your circle and some solutions coming out of this that hopefully you can run up a flagpole to someone in a position of, of making decisions, whether it's your MPP, uh, your counselor, um, your MP, uh, wherever you need to go, your doctor. Uh, Darlene, I saw your comment earlier, and, and I can't end the show and not read this. <sighs> After losing my 17-year-old daughter, Jesus. Oh. Darlene, I don't know how you even write this. I can't even read it. After losing my 17-year-old daughter, I was in a dark place and almost did suicide. Then, eight months after my daughter passed, my husband passed. Then my brother, dad, and mom. I was beyond devastated and felt why I am still here. And they, I was beyond devastated and felt why am I still here and they aren't. Thanks to going to doctors, medications, and support from my friends, I'm still here. Darlene, you are a success story, and I think, you know, if you've had the same experience as I have, and you've had the same conversations I have, and thank you, by the way, for sharing that. I, again, I don't know how the hell you do that. Um, you ended up with the right medical team, as did I, and I'm discovering the more of these conversations that I have that those medical teams are far and few between. It's, um, you know, I, I always found my doctor... I always felt like he was too busy for any of the concerns that I brought up to him, right? Whether it was, you know, a rash or, you know, um, I mean, you name it, right? A anything. But boy, the day that I went to him and said, I, I think I have finally figured out what the hell is going on with me. I, I think I'm dealing with a mental health issue. His world stopped. I had his undivided attention. And he has been on this journey with me the entire way. I know. I'm lucky because I don't hear that from everyone. I hear more horror stories like that. 
to anybody who's dealing with that, I want you to know therapy, for example, is one of those things that you pay out of your pocket for. You may have a benefit at work or, or a health plan, et cetera, that covers that off. But ultimately, you're the one paying for that and you're being reimbursed by your employer or healthcare provider for that. Just like any service, you get to pick. Make sure you pick the right therapist for you. Google psychologists, psychiatrists, and your city. That's what my doctor said to me. Go through the list. See what they specialize in. Find the ones who seem to speak to what you think it is that's bothering you. A therapist is not a therapist is not a therapist. They're not all the same. Some of them have, look, some of them, you know, specialize, I'll call a spade a spade, in sexual abuse. Some, you know, and if that's not something you've experienced, that's probably not a therapist who's going to serve you well. Find someone who specializes in the area that you really think you are struggling most with. That's the good place to start. But you have to, and look, if you don't think you're getting the answers from that doctor, as difficult as it is, you need to move yourself and keep yelling and screaming and demanding the help. Unfortunately, it falls on us who are living with this to demand the help. We have to be proactive. we got to fight for ourselves because it sure as hell appears to me there's nobody out there fighting for us. Julie says we need to change how we look at mental health. It should be the same as we look at heart conditions, except it's not, Julie. It's not until until you are in a family where somebody chooses to leave this world. You know, it's because it's invisible and it's inexplicable. Again, how do I tell you, how do I explain something to you when I can't explain it myself? And every day is different with this damn thing. A heart condition I can explain. A lung condition I can explain. A broken limb I can explain. A blood disease I can explain. Michelle says, my nephew went to the hospital because he wanted to kill himself after he lost his girlfriend and daughter to a murder-suicide, and he was given a prescription and sent home. No therapy. Those are the problems we need to fix. Medication's not a solution. It's just not. You might as well say, drop by the LCBO on your way home and uh, grab a bottle of something and uh, you'll be good in a couple of days. Just doesn't work like that. But Michelle, I know, and, and I'm somewhat familiar with that story. Um, this is the state we're in. Our medical teams, just they just don't have the resources to look at that and say, we have solutions in place because we don't. We just don't have those solutions in place. Satan's playmate, I live with two people dealing with depression and PTSD. I know there are so many people just looking for an unjudgmental place. Even with everything going on, I have an open door. Coffee's always on, and there's always a welcome chair. Uh, Lost one of our foster children this past June, she goes on to say. She fought for years until her body couldn't fight anymore. These stories are everywhere. They're everywhere. And they're not going away. And the situation's not getting better. It's getting worse. And there's going to be more and more of these stories. And this is why I need to get this RV going. And we'll be getting this RV going in the spring. Somebody needs to get these stories 
together and heard. And damn it, I intend to. If I'm going to have this thing, and I'm dealing with it pretty okay, I guess, but I'm going to try and make some good of it. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be a voice for it. And today is one of those days. Unfortunately, we're having this conversation due to some very, very tragic circumstances. Darlene says, uh, Darlene, we just heard from her a short time ago. She says, I was fortunate to find the right doctors and remind myself I have a son here today. He's 34, married with two babies. Oh, my gosh. I'm very blessed and thank God I didn't follow through with suicide. I'm right there with you. Something happened on that day where it just it just wasn't supposed to happen for me. I can't explain it. Don't know why. But I'm so grateful that I've, you know, I've never been so happy to have made a mistake in my life, right? Screw that up, didn't I? Yep, happily. And the best is to try and get an actual shrink. Then it's covered by OHIP. Psychologists, unfortunately, are not. And psychiatrists are hard to find. I was lucky and found a great one. He helped me through a lot of difficult issues at the time. It needs to be a good fit. It has to be the right fit. That's why I'm saying you need to go and find that list and Google for yourself and find that person who aligns with what you think it is you are struggling with the most. Uh, Julie says, if you share your stories and we talk about it, we might save someone. Hey, I listen, Julie, I, I have saved people through these conversations on not just this platform, uh, but, you know, back in my FM days, through social media. You're right. Talking about this, being open and receptive to understanding this and not brushing it off by saying things like, what the hell does that person have to be depressed about? Actually engaging in it creates a much better environment, a healthier environment, and we can. We can save people. Stop being so quick, please, to judge why someone put something on their social media or or said it out loud. You don't know. You just don't know why. Leave them be. Understand that there's a reason for these things. One of the first, this is one of my favorite lessons that I got. Before I'd really even been to a therapist, before I'd really done a deep dive with my doctor, I went and visited casual friends of ours. He holds a very respectable job in the government, is connected to all the powers that be, and is involved in the day-to-day. I hold this person in very high regard. And he asked me, what are some of the things that are triggering this in you? And I gave him an example. This is so stupid. And yet not. I gave him an example of A client at the radio station had written their own commercial. Happens all the time. And they emailed this to, you know, whoever it was at the radio station, who just took the email and printed it off. Didn't take any time to reformat it at all. It was like a 60-second commercial. And by the time I end up with it, I got bad eyesight, et cetera. And, you know, and it's 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 60 seconds of, of commercial copy all squished into this tiny little font on, on like an eight and a half by 11 paper. And like the very top quarter of it is where all these, like, I can't make sense of this. And what a ridiculous thing to get upset about, right? But I did. But I did. I flew off the handle. Why can't this person do this? Why wouldn't they take the time? It infuriated me, yelling and screaming. Again, look for the behavioral changes. The signs were all there for me. I was angry. I was off the handle. I had a short fuse. It was uncharacteristic of the guy who started there. Something was up. 
And when I told this story to my friend, he he nodded his head and he said, so you're the kind of person, John, if that email came to you, you're the kind of person who would copy it, reformat it, make the font the appropriate size, put the paragraphs where they're supposed to be, capitalize the letters that are supposed to be capitalized. That's you. You would do that. And then you would print it out. He says, but what you failed to realize, and this is gold, and I'm going to leave you with this because it really is fantastic, and I hope you can apply it to all kinds of things that really get you going and wound up. He said, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, that person is doing what they think is right. Let that sink in for a moment. doesn't mean that what they're doing is right. To them it is. But their way is not your way. I had that little bit of information bouncing around in my head. And I would drive home from the Byward Market along the Rideau Canal. Pardon me. Colonel by Drive. Which I think now is a 40 zone, but at the time it was a 60 zone. And I would inevitably end up behind someone who's doing way below the speed limit. And I'd be behind him yelling, screaming, honking my horn, waving my arms in the air like a lunatic. They can't see me. They can't hear me. They hear the horn honking. They don't. They don't care. They're not bothered by it at all. The only person being affected by my actions is me. And when I started saying to myself, for whatever reason, that person is doing 30, right? For whatever reason, that person is doing what they think is right. When I can accept that, okay, it's upsetting. I wish they were doing 60, but they've got some reason, and I just need to accept that. That was the first huge step for me, and that's where it really kind of started, is just understanding the world around you. So when you when you start coming at people on their social media feeds that they should be doing this or shouldn't be doing that or whatever else, no, 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 no. That's my page. That's my little space of the world. And I get to say and post and do whatever I want there. You don't get to tell me that I can't do that or I can't do this. For whatever reason, that person is doing what they think is right. Gigi says it's so important to watch for clues, signs, and cries of help. Smiling on the outside, crying on the inside. Notice it and reach out. You may be saving a life. Gigi, you and I uh, are connected on Facebook. And I know that you are aware of this, but I'll say it again. I'm not very good at Facebook Messenger these days, but you you can try. You can reach out to me if I'm around. Um, let's go to text because I haven't had a chance to do this. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, nope, I'm not going to read this person's text. They've asked me to uh, keep this anonymous and under my hat, and I will respect that based on the sensitivity of the issue. Um, these are important conversations on a very tough day. Um, look for the signs. Make sure the people around you know that you're aware that you're seeing changes in them. Talk to them. Try and get them to some sort of place where they can have a conversation, be it the distress center, be it a national suicide line, 
but I mean, just, just be there. Don't judge. Just listen. And maybe, just maybe, as was said earlier, we might just save someone. Thank you for the conversation. Let's have more of these. It's your call. Back tomorrow.